It's a great privilege today to introduce our speaker. She's my wife. She's Pastor Jan. Um, every year, she'll preach Mother's Day. I'll preach Father's Day. The next year, we'll flip it. This year, she was going to preach Mother's Day. Then she had to go out of town, so I did. So I said, do you want to preach Father's Day? I know she's been praying and seeking God and getting a word from him, and I know she's got a word from God. Pastor Jan, as many of you know, but maybe not all of you, has been involved in all kinds of ministries through the years. She has been actively involved in almost every ministry except for ministry to men, although she's done that for me. She ministers to me all the time. But she's been involved in ministry to children and youth and women, and she currently has an online ministry to pastors' wives and women's women in ministry, especially those that are hurting and is having a great influence there. But I've said this many times, that the main thing that stands out to me about Pastor Jan is that she loves God and she loves people. So we're looking forward to hearing the word today. Come on up, baby. I can call her that. You can't. Happy Father's Day to my main guy. (laughs) I am so grateful that I can honestly tell you what you see on Sundays, I see on Mondays in my home. And I'm so blessed to have a mighty man of God that is my husband, is the father to my children. So happy Father's Day, my darling. Today is Father's Day, so I do wish all of you men a happy Father's Day. All of you women, I wish you a happy day. And Pastor already mentioned in his prayer, it is Juneteenth. I am so grateful for this day, what it represents for the freedom for our African-American brothers and sisters. So we are grateful that God has provided that. I know America is not perfect. There's still a lot of room for improvement, but at least we're going forward. Amen? Hallelujah. I want to open with a funny story. There was an honest woman who always wanted to follow rules and do everything just right. And she was driving in traffic and she came up on a yellow light and immediately stopped. There was a man right behind her that was so frustrated because he needed to get somewhere. He began to honk the horn. He gave her the finger, you know what I mean. And he began to curse at her and scream and yell. Then all of a sudden he heard a tap on his window when he looked and it was a police officer. The police officer said, get out, sir. He got out. He said, put your hands up. He arrested him, took him to jail, booked him. Two hours later, he walked back to that man and he said, sir, I owe you an apology. And he let him back out and he said, I arrested you because I saw all the bumper stickers on your car. I saw the the fish emblem on your car, the bumper sticker that says, what would Jesus do? The sticker that said, follow me to Sunday school. And he said, I knew you must have stolen this car. Yes. Today, we are talking about what do people say about you? What do people say about you? Now, please understand, ladies and young people, this is a message for fathers and men, but everything I say, we can apply it to our lives. So please don't tune me out. This is not your time to sleep. It's time, and I would encourage you all to take notes. And I I always say, even if you throw them away on the way out the door, it's okay because when you take notes, it will help you to remember what we talked about so that you can apply it to your life. Father God, I step back in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit of God, I ask you to come in and step 
in and speak through me, God. May I share everything you want me to share. Not one word less, not one word more. In the name of Jesus, open ears to hear and hearts to receive and apply your word today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be wondering why I have a little water bottle and the tea. For those of you that don't know, I do have an issue with my vocal cords. And I'm believing God for complete healing in them. So I will be sipping on my hot tea with honey so that I can have a voice to carry on. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9. Many, many years ago, I heard a pastor preach a subject uh, from this scripture. And I don't even remember what he said, but it so stood out to me that I said, you know, I'm going to preach a message like that someday. And today is that day. So if you are at 1 Samuel chapter 9, we're going to read verses 1 to 6. Verses 1 to 6. There was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekorah, the son of Aphia of Benjamin. He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man without equal among Israelites, a head taller than any others. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through that area around Shalisha, but they did not find them. They went on into the district of Shalim, but the donkeys were not there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but they did not find them. When they reached the district of Zuf, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let's go back before my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. But the servant replied. And I can just imagine him saying, I just remembered. Look, in this town, there is a man of God. He is highly respected and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. There is a man of God. There is a man of God. Men, I want to ask you today, and don't answer out loud, but answer to yourself. What do people say about you? What do they say when you aren't around? If you were to die today, hmm, What would they say about you at your funeral? Just a few days ago, I did attend Cynthia Malhado's husband's funeral, and there were so many precious, beautiful things said about him. But one thing that was said over and over is he always spoke wisdom to any young people, his family, young people that would come to his house, whoever. He always spoke words of wisdom. He would say things like, work hard, don't steal, save your money. And they remembered him for that, that he always encouraged them how to live their lives. Proverbs 22, 1 says, A good name is only as good as it is backed up by the truth. A good name is only good if it is backed up by the truth. I am so grateful for the mighty men of God that belong to our church. But can I tell you, God knows your heart, mighty men of God. 
He knows if you truly are a mighty man of God. You show it at church, but do you show it at home? Well, I want to ask you a question. You claim to know God, but do you deny him with the way you live? And that just isn't just for the fathers. That's for every person in this room. You claim to know God, but do you deny him by the way you live? A person's lifestyle and their relationships is a window into seeing how they really live, how they really are. It doesn't matter, my friend, if you come to church every single Sunday. It doesn't matter if you pay tithes and offerings every week. If you read the word of God every day and you even pray. If it has not changed you on the inside, it's not working for you. In other words, you've not really surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. If you've really surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, it's not just going to affect how you look on Sunday, how you act on Sunday, but it's going to affect how you act in the house on Monday. It's going to affect how you act at your job on Tuesday. It's going to affect how you act at Walmart. It's going to affect how you treat your servers when you go out to lunch or dinner. Somebody ought to be shouting because I'm preaching good whether you recognize it or not. Because as men and women and young people of God, we have to live out our faith every day, 24-7. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Sometimes we are going to mess up. But when we mess up, I like to tell our young people, we need to fess up. We need to say, we need to own our sin. We need to own our stuff. We need to apologize If I say something to my husband a little sharp, maybe a little snarky, believe it or not, I do that sometimes. I'm not proud of that fact, but it happens. I'm human just like y'all. And I have to go to him and say, baby, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I should not have talked to you that way. But I'm going to tell you, believe it or not, there's times he gets a little uptight with me. (laughs) But I love and appreciate that he always sincerely apologizes. He doesn't just go, sorry. That doesn't mean anything. But he owns it. Babe, when I raise my voice a little bit with you, I'm so sorry it was wrong. Please forgive me, darling. And I know that he means it because of how he treats me. Not just here in front of y'all, but how he treats me at home. So how do we become, you men, become a man of God? For us females, how do we become women of God or young women of God? Point number one, becoming a man of God. The Bible says Samuel was known as a man of God. 1 Samuel 9, 5 says, When they reached the district of Zuth, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let's go back or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and he'll be concerned about us. But the servant replied, look, in this town, there is a man of God, highly respected, and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us which way to take. Are you a man of God? You may have been saved for 20 years, but are you truly a man of God? Have you surrendered your life fully 
to him. What does it take to become a man of God? A, develop your relationship with God. How do we develop our relationship with God? Number one, you commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You admit you are a sinner and you say, God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. We don't, as Christians, as believers, as men and women of God, we don't just believe in God. The devil believes in God. Hello? But we come to know him. We get to know him. It's like any other relationship. When you spend time with someone, you begin to really get to know them. You even begin to act like them. When you spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ through prayer and studying his word, you get to know him and you begin to act like Jesus. And that's what he's calling us as believers to do. We must spend time with him. We must develop that relationship with God. Because believing in God does not do it. It's knowing him, having that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. B, we need to develop an obedient lifestyle to God's word. John fourteen fifteen says, if you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Exodus twenty twelve says, we are to honor our fathers and mothers. Parents, a good time to say amen. <laughs> Young people, that means we are to be obedient to our parents. Learning to obey our parents is great for our parents, but it's not just teaching you to honor and obey your parents. It's also preparing you to honor and obey and respect others. Because you're going to grow up and you're going to be in a workplace. You need to know how to show honor and respect to those you work for. Those you come in contact with. Those who serve you in a restaurant wherever you go. Let me just hit the restaurant thing for a minute. I've done it before, but I want to do it again. I've told you before. Servers hate Sundays the most. We've been told this on more than one occasion. Why do they hate serving on Sundays? Because a lot of times that's when the Christians come in. And they say Christians can be the most demanding. And they leave the sorriest tips. God help us. Help us. If they're going to know we're coming in there looking like church folk and saying, God bless you. You better bless them with a 20, at least 20% tip. And you better treat them with love and respect. If they bring you green beans and you ordered barbecue beans, you do not need to say, I, I, I didn't order this. I ordered such and such. You need to say, oh, excuse me, ma'am. I'm sorry. There must be some kind of confusion. But I believe I ordered barbecue beans. Would it be possible for me to get barbecue beans? And you know what? They're going to be happy to bring you those barbecue beans. But I'm going to tell you what may happen if you are snarky with them and you are demanding. They may go get you what they want and they may spit in your food. You better think about that. We need to be loving and kind and generous to all people. And you don't know. You don't know what that person that is serving you, whether it's an air conditioner man coming to your home, whether it's a server in a restaurant, whether it's somebody at Walmart, 
Well, I pay good money for this stuff. The least they can do is treat me right. Hello, as a man or woman of God, can you get over your sweet little self and show some grace? We must show grace. You don't know if that lady at Walmart, she, you feel like, oh, dear God, please help me. She's going as slow as she possibly can. You don't need to tell her off. You need to show patience. You need to pray for her. Maybe even say to her or him, you know, I'm a Christian. Is there something I can pray for you about? But don't do that if you're being snarky and rude. Because they don't want none of your Jesus if that's how you treat people. Well, I'm going to leave that alone. When you develop that relationship with God, walking in obedience, you naturally will develop a godly reputation. And I want to say, not only do we need to show respect, young people, to our parents and to adults. Parents and adults, we need to show respect to our young people. Young people, now's your time. I hear two. <laughs> we need to show respect to children and young people. All right, I'm going to mess with your theology just a little bit this morning. How many of you believe we should put God first in our lives? Raise your hand. You believe we should put God first in your life? Well, the Bible tells, seek ye first. I believe it's Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So it sounds like, yes, we should keep him first. How many of you would raise your hand and say, nope, I don't believe we should keep him first? Oh, Pastor Jan's got her hand up. My answer is yes and no. Because I believe, can we put the the wheel up? I believe Jesus doesn't want us to put him first. I believe he wants to be the center of our lives. He wants to be the center of everything we do. Jesus at the center of it all. Because see, what happens when we think put Jesus first is what we do in our human nature is, oh, well, I got to say a prayer when I get up. I got to read a little scripture, say a prayer, read a scripture, say, read a scripture, say a prayer, keep the devil away. And then we go about our day. And then we might, some of us might talk to Jesus before we go to sleep. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. Oh, Lord, I pray my soul to take. And we put God in a box. So we start the day with a little prayer and we end the day with a little prayer. But that's not what God wants. God wants us to put him in the center of everything we do. Should we pray when we wake up? Yes. God, thank you that you woke me up this morning. Thank you for the rest that I received. Thank you, God, that I have food to eat and and so on and so on. And Lord, I ask you to guide my day according to your divine will and way. Yes, we pray when we get up. Yes, if you have time to spend time in the word when you get up, do it. Oh, you're not saying you have to? You see, serving God is not about legalism. You need to spend time in the Word. But if you don't get up in time to really spend time studying the Word, maybe you need to study the Word on your lunch break. 
Maybe you need to study it that afternoon or that evening. Whenever you are most awake and most able to study it and learn it and apply it, that's when you do it. We've got to take God out of the put God first box and make him the center of every part of our lives. He needs to be part of our work. Young people, part of your school. He needs to be part of ministry, your friends, your family, your hobbies. He needs to be part of your social media. Well... You see, Jesus sees everything we do. And he wants to be there for you. He wants to use you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to strengthen you. And your attitude will make it or break it for you. Oh, God, you see this nasty house. I can't believe my children. They left their stuff and my husband left his underdrawers in the floor. Y'all say it. I can't believe she said that. You know, instead of griping and complaining, women... I know it's Father's Day, but let me hit you for just a minute. We can say, God, thank you that I have a husband. Thank you that I have children to feed. My daddy used to complain. When I was a little girl, I had hair like way down to here. And my daddy used to complain, and my sister did too, and my daddy would complain to my mom and say, Baby, I cannot believe those long red hairs. They leave them in the tub. They leave them on the floor. Why can't they clean them up? And my mom said to my precious daddy, she said, Baby, there's going to come a day that you would give anything to see those long red hairs in that tub and on that floor. And he says, sweetheart, you are right. And from that day forward, he never complained to me or my sister or to my mom about our long red hair in the tub. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need to train our children and encourage them because the right thing to do is clean your hair out of the tub, girls. Clean it out of the sink. Don't leave a mess for your brothers, your mama, your daddy, your grandma, whoever you're living with. Clean it up. That's really what I should have done. And I believe as I got older, I began to do that. I can't promise that because I don't remember, but I think I did. But we've got to put Jesus in the center of everything. We've got to trust him with our situations at work instead of complaining. God, I can't believe the way that person treated me. It's wrong. It's not fair. God, I thank you for my job. Lord, I pray blessings on that person that is treating me wrong. I pray, Lord God, that your love will shine through me and that I will truly be that man or woman of God you've called me to be and that they will see you in me. Our attitudes are going to make us or break us. Y'all, I remember one time I was witnessing to a teenage girl and I was telling her about Jesus and how she needed Jesus. And she said, I don't want nothing to do with Jesus. I don't want nothing to do with Christianity. And I'm like, baby girl, why? And she said, because every Sunday when we go to church, my mama jumps and shouts, glory, hallelujah. But on Monday, she acts like the devil in the house. Y'all, we need to think about how we are raising our children. You can jump and shout on Sunday, but if you're not living it on Monday, your Christianity is not very real. We have got to make sure, men and women of God, that we are showing His love to our children at home. Can I tell you, they are not listening to what you're telling them as much as they are listening and watching what you do. Now, I've been guilty. When my girls lived at home, I've been guilty of going, you girls, stop yelling right now! Where where did they learn it? (laughs) We've got to be careful that we're not telling our children, stop yelling, and we're yelling at them. It doesn't work. 
We need, I see, I see some mom and dads laughing. I love it because I'm not the only one that's been guilty. Thank you for that. <laughs> but we've got to make sure that we keep Jesus in the center of every part of our lives. Men, it begins with you in the home. It begins with you. Treat your wife with love and respect. Instead of putting her down, lift her up with your words. Encourage her instead of griping at her. The Bible says, men, we, not we, you are to love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did Jesus do for the church? He gave up his life. He died for the church. He died for the church. He gave up everything. Men, that may mean you need to turn the football game off sometime. Well, and pay attention to your wife and children. That may mean you need to put aside whatever it is you're doing and say, Honey, let me take you shopping. Now, after you pick her up off the floor from shock, Take her and say, babe, would you like a new dress? Would you like a new blouse? Would you like some makeup, perfume? What is it? You know, I just want to get you one special thing today. What would you like? Now, make sure you got the money to do that. If you don't have the money to do that, there's been times Pastor Tim and I have gone on dates where we shared a Frosty and shared a a box of French fries. No joke. But do what you can. Do what you can, men. You are the example And can I tell you, men, when you are living this way, you're being the example in your home. You're showing love, honor, and respect to your wife. Number one, you're teaching your sons how to treat their future wives. And number two, I won't say all women, but I would say most women will gladly love and serve and honor and respect you, men of God. Ladies, we need to make sure we are showing love and honor and respect to our husbands. Can I tell you, nagging does not work. You may finally get your man to do something you wanted him to do by constantly nagging, but he's not doing it from a heart of love. He's doing it out of which she get off my back. I'm just going to do it so she'll get off my back. That's not love. What's love got to do, got to do with it? It's got everything to do with it, men and women of God. We need to show love to our spouses. We need to make sure we're not living for me, myself, and I, but we're saying I'm living for Jesus Christ, and I'm living for my wife and my children and those I work with, those I see in the store wherever I go. And it's not easy. We have to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to help us. And he will. But I do want to make a disclaimer here. This is how a godly marriage is supposed to look. But I'm not saying that we are to honor and respect and obey an abuser. I'm not going to preach on that today. I preached on that last September. But I just do want to say, if your spouse is being an abuser, I'm not saying you got to love, honor, and respect them. You better pray. And if they're not changing, you better pray for a way of escape. And I'm moving on. 
You might be able to fool people at church. They might think, oh, that's the most godly man I've ever seen in my life. Oh, that's the most godly woman. Oh, look at them teenagers. Oh, they love Jesus. But let me ask you, teenagers, what if people looked on your social media? What if we just put up on the screen right up here? Now, I'm not going to name one of our youth. I'm going to say George. George is 14 years old and he loves social media. We're going to put, pretend to put George's social media right up here. Show you everything he's tweeted, everything he's put on Facebook, everything he's put up on. And I can never remember that one. TikTok. Thank you. I don't know why I can't remember that. I guess because I don't ever do TikTok. Would George be going or would he be creeping down in his seat going, Oh dear God, my parents are going to kill me and they're going to see what I'm really like. Young people of God. Guard what you put on social media. Are you representing Jesus Christ in social media in everything you do in life? Are you representing Jesus Christ in the school? Are you representing Jesus Christ the way you treat your parents and your siblings? As I said, we might can fool a lot of people, but you're only, I want to make sure I get this right, our Christianity is only as good as how we live our lives in our home. Let me ask you, man of God, woman of God, If you may not even be a Christian, but let me ask you. If someone would ask your child or spouse to describe you, and they felt total freedom to describe how you are at home, what would they say? Think about it. That goes for all of us. What would people say? How would they describe you? Would would they say, oh, my daddy is so loving. Yeah, sometimes he gets a little irritated and, and he may show it a little bit, but he always comes back and owns it. Or would they say, oh, my goodness, <laughs> my man, <clears throat> no, no, no. He may look good on Sundays, but he's a devil on Mondays. If that is who you are, man, please make things right with God. Please make things right with your wife. Women, If they would say that about you, make things right with God. Make things right with your spouse. Make things right with your children. Young people, if your parents would say that about you, make things right with God. Make things right with your parents. Number three, being a man of truth. The Bible says Samuel was a man of truth. Everything he says comes true. Samuel knew God and his word, and he was able to give wisdom whenever asked. Fathers, please allow me to challenge you to be men of wisdom, men who walk in obedience to God's word. There are people all over this community that need wisdom. They need help. And then would they say of you, if they've got a marriage problem, they've got financial issues, 
would they say there is a man in Marion Oaks, a man of God who has a lot of wisdom. Maybe we should go and talk with him. Or there is a woman in Marion Oaks that is a woman of God. Whatever she says comes true. She's a woman of wisdom. Let's go and talk with her. 1 Samuel 9, 6 says, Look in the town. There is a man of God, highly respected, and everything he says comes true. One of the greatest joys you will ever have, ever, is when you can lead someone to Jesus Christ or you can help someone with their marriage. Worship team, come on. In this town, in Marion Oaks, in Ocala, is there a man of God? In Marion Oaks Assembly of God, is there a man of God that is known for being a man of God, a man of wisdom, a man of truth? That he doesn't just live it on Sundays, but he lives it on Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Again, I'm not saying men or women, you have to be perfect because none of us are. Until we get to heaven, none of us will be perfect. But we have to be striving to live the life God has called us to live. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. And we love that. What a wonderful verse. But it goes on to say in the next verse, if we will seek him with all of our hearts, he will be found by us. Men and women, we need to make God the center of our lives. Making a difference wherever we go. People will be drawn to Jesus when they see men and women of God truly living the life God has called us to live. God forbid that we ever be like that teenage girl's mother that said, I don't want nothing to do with Christianity because I see how my mama is on Sunday jumping and shouting and glory, hallelujah. And she's cursing and screaming and doing all kinds of things the rest of the week. God forbid that that be how we represent the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you today. Would everybody stand to your feet? I want to challenge you today. This, I I hope you don't feel beat down. That's not been the purpose of this message. I know it's a bit heavy, but it's what God placed on my heart. That we truly place Jesus in the center of our lives. And out of that, the spokes of our lives are reaching other people for the way we live, the way we treat people. And if God has spoken to your heart today, these altar area is open. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come. And I don't want people, I don't want you feeling like, oh, they're going to judge me and think that I'm a bad person. No. Don't be looking at somebody thinking, oh, I wonder how they act on Monday. That is not your place. Not your place. Maybe they're coming to pray for their children. Maybe they're coming to ask God to help them to be a better man, a better woman of God, a better teenager, a better child of God.
whatever it is, let's not be judging, let's be loving. These altars are open now. If God has spoken to you, as the worship team begins to sing Jesus at the center, would you just come on down and make a fresh commitment? Maybe bring, ask your spouse if if he or she wants to come with you. Maybe you need to apologize to them privately down at the altar and say, baby, I've not been living exactly the way I should. Don't give an excuse because a real apology doesn't say but. A real apology says, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I haven't treated you exactly the way I should. Would you forgive me? Father God, in the name of Jesus, move in this place. God, I pray for healing and restoration for relationships. God, I haven't preached about giving your heart to Jesus. But Lord, if there's anyone here today or anyone online watching that you have not surrendered your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, but you would like to do that, today is the day of salvation. Would you come in Jesus' name? Hallelujah. 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 Oh, men and women of God, can we just raise some praise to our Father today? The greatest Father that's ever been and ever will be. Oh, God, we bless you. We praise you. We honor you. We magnify you, God. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, we ask you, Father, to strengthen our homes. Lord, I speak blessings every over home, every over every home that is represented here today. For those that are online, God, those that are hurting, God, I pray you would minister to them. God, I pray, Father, for those that are just in deep thought about this word today. God, I pray you would revolutionize each one of us, God, to be the men and women and young people of God. You've called us to be. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that you would protect everyone as they go home today. Whatever they do, may your love and your light shine forth, oh God, as we leave this place. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people say, Amen.